Hello and welcome to The Shovel, a podcast brought to you by Property Leaders Brisbane, an independent and vibrant community open to professionals working in the property and construction industry. My name is Matthew Mackey and I'm the founder of Property Leaders Brisbane and also the National Director, Cost and Commercial Management at Arcadis. The Shovel is a natural extension of the conversations we have at our events where we share and debate ideas and inspire positive change in our city. This season of The Shovel focuses on our theme for 2020, Future Brisbane. This podcast is kindly recorded and produced by BBS Communications Group. Welcome to this episode of The Shovel, the podcast brought to you from Property Leaders Brisbane. Today I have Lisa Volks, who's the Regional Director of Queensland from Ethos Urban with us. Uh, she's going to be telling us a bit about her career and her thoughts on the future of Brisbane. Welcome, Lisa, for, and thank you for taking part. Oh, hi, Matt, and thanks so much for the invitation. I'm really actually delighted and excited to be here. This is my first podcast, so... Excellent. Um, you know, treat me kindly. I know you've got a few of these under your belt. You're getting more familiar with the technology and the process. I'm supposed to be, having done a few of these now, I'm supposed to be quite experienced, but everyone is still like a, a fresh start every time we get the microphone in front of me. But we'll see how we go. You're going to be great. First off, for our, our listeners, Lisa, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on time of your career and, and your experience of working in Brisbane? Yeah, thanks. Gosh, I have been a planner, town planner for over 25 years. I'm rounding that down. 25 years sounds better than almost 30. Rounding down is good. That long in the industry, you can, you've got the authority to do that. I think that's right. Um, and, you know, people can start doing the maths and work out age and those sorts of things if I'm too open with that experience. So, um, so I've been around for a while and um, I've been really fortunate that most of that career has been in private consultancy. So as you mentioned, I'm the regional director at Ethos Urban and I've been with that company for oh, probably two decades. So I sort of started out as a, a young planner and have worked my way through the ranks working with really great people and on really interesting projects in Brisbane, southeast Queensland and around the state. And, um, and last year I was, um, you know, really fortunate to be appointed the regional director. It was a, a great, great time to be um, appointed that role. We moved into new city offices and, um, you know, times were good. And then by March we were working from home and in COVID <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a, it's, you know, it's a testing time to be in, in leadership, as you would probably mm. know. But, um, you know, challenges bring also opportunities and lots of learnings and reflections reflection on how we can do things and what I think what's the expression never let a good crisis go to waste so yep. it's been a I think it's a year for thinking about those opportunities absolutely yeah and if you find out what they are please let us know yeah, that's um, right. so I mean just before we get into COVID and, and the impact of the, that's having on the industry and, and on Brisbane in particular like you like you said rounding down 20 years in the industry mm. um 20 possibly nearly near near 25 yeah. um what how do you think how have you seen the city change during that period because you know, I've been here 10 years mm. uh, and I've seen a massive amount of change just in the 10 years I've been here so your perspective must be quite different yeah I, look in some ways the city hasn't changed at all it's still very familiar and it's still very I, I think it's like an old pair of shoes your favorite old pair of shoes there's things that are really comfortable and easy and familiar about it but over two decades I mean it's has changed enormously and you know, I was thinking about the projects that I worked on, you know, from the sort of late 90s when I first started consultancy work through to now. And those projects are really, they, they flag some of the city's maturity and evolution and change. And, you know, back in the late 90s, I was doing work for South Bank Corporation. Our firm was the consultant planners for uh, the corporation. And so we were really delivering the master plan, seeing the transition of that, of the parklands into the, you know, the really spectacular place that it is today. And 
things like the Goodwill Bridge, Grey Street's redevelopment, the, the Riverside um, or the River Keys development, those sorts of things came out of that master plan and they really sort of showcased the maturity of the city and and how it's grown up. So I think there's there's been a lot of those sorts of projects over the last two decades that have that's shown the city's grown from, you know, what I call it sort of teenage years where it was having a bit of fun, maybe didn't quite know who it was or um, what it might look like to sort of being in its 20s or late 20s and having a much clearer sense of its identity and a bit more maturity and sophistication. Again, I was I was reflecting on this sort of change in the city and there's this there's this point on the M3 as you're driving back into Brisbane coming from the Gold Coast. I think it's sort of around the Gaza Road exit, partly obscured now by some Queensland transport signage, but um, or main road signage rather. But if I had taken a snapshot at that point on the M3 sort of every year for the last two decades, I think that would be a really great visual snapshot of just how the CBD and the city mm. skyline has changed. So, you know, a few towers really focused on that CBD grid of, you know, sort of Turbo and Ann Street through to Alice Street and from George down to the sort of the, the bottom end of Queen Street. And, you know, that was our CBD. And, you know, today... The CBD is is well beyond that grid. The height of the CBD has grown significantly, but we think about the CBD now being, you know, leapfrogging even the river. And in time, you know, places like Woolloongabba, the Valley, Milton, they'll actually become part of our city centre. Mm. So, so I think there's those sort of visual cues that say the city has changed and evolved. There's other things I think as well that's sort of shown some of our maturity and, and change within a city and... Um, it's the it's the commitment and investment in those big infrastructure projects. So again, more recently, they've been things like Cross River Rail and Metro. But you know, the government's decision to invest in the creative arts and Goma, which is a you know a national and kind of international showpiece for the city, again is a reflection of how much the city's changed in those two uh, two decades. I mm. think. I mean, it's interesting you, you started off talking about South Bank. That was obviously a big structural change for Brisbane following Expo 88 mm. and what to do with that site afterwards. And, you know, it's given us the uh, uh, Streets Beach and uh, the, the actual growth of the South Bank and the master plan that you worked on. How do you think the development of South Bank has actually contributed to our thinking about Brisbane as a whole? Because prior to Expo 88, nobody really gave that part of Brisbane a second look. So do you think that's really changed about how we think about the city and obviously the river itself? How do you think that's positively changed the thinking around Brisbane? Yeah, I think you've nailed it in terms of the thinking around the city centre is an extension beyond that peninsula that's that's sort of bounded by that, that traditional grid layout. So the city is our greatest asset, but it's also been a, a constraint and a, I think a limitation to our thinking about how we can develop the city. And South Bank really purposefully said we need to create those connections across the river and we need to be more connected to that traditional CBD. So things like Goodwill Bridge and the Kurilpa Bridge and even the council's commitment now to the green bridges, it's about finding a more granular sort of network and connection through the city that overcomes that barrier of the river. And I think, again, investments like Cross River Rail and Metro, they will even expand that notion of the city being more than just the peninsula, the CBD mm. being more than the peninsula and that public transport, active transport will actually allow people to move through 
a much bigger city centre very easily and we'll see investment changing and the way you know where where we see our commercial hmm. activity for example occurring how people use recreation and you know open space assets victoria park the master plan hmm. um you know that alanka the northern part of the the city centre i think and and south bank is almost the southern part south bank and Woolong gabba will be the southern part of the city centre i mean it might take a decade to get there but hmm. but i think that's you know that south bank was the first step in that transformation yeah, great. Um, just going back to something you said a few moments ago, you talked about Brisbane kind of growing up, going from its early teenage years into its early 20s, early 30s. Um, and just to continue with that, what is probably going to end up being a really bad analogy by the time <laughs> I finish with it, if we're in our kind of like late 20s as a city, uh, just in terms of that maturity, you look at Sydney and Melbourne, then they're clearly still a mum and dad, still having a view in terms of where we sit in the world and what our role is going to be. And you talked about our brand and I'm interested to understand what you think our, what Brisbane's brand is, because I think that's something that we've, in the 10 years I've been here, other than great lifestyle, great weather, and sit outside eating and dining for you know, most of the year round, we haven't really locked in what we stand for and what Brisbane is, uh, particularly when you compare it against those very, very clear brands of what Sydney and Melbourne are. So I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are on that, and uh, and what you think we need to do to actually develop our brand. Mm. I think it's a yeah, it's a great um, it's a great analogy and a great observation. I think I was part of the property leaders twenty. 20 big ideas for 2020. Yeah, oh, didn't that fall flat after oh, COVID? Yeah. Well, great way to start the year. Fantastic way to start the year. But I remember um, Matt Gross speaking at that um, on that panel and, you know, he really spoke to this question of Brisbane's identity mm. and I think, that's, I think that is in some ways the missing piece for the city is we have traded on our climate and lifestyle and affordability and by our sort of southern counterpart standards congestion you know is is not so bad you know we're starting to feel those challenges we're starting to you know find that things around housing affordability and diversity and congestion's increasing but but by those standards it's still you know it's still a really great place to live but we don't have the brand we don't have that you know, it's the Harbour City or it's the culture and, um, you know, arts and those elements that, that attract people to Melbourne. And Matt talked about the green bridges and the investment in the, the bridges that Brisbane City Council have talked about and that that can really become one of the showcases for us in terms of, you know, bridges are not just about movement. They can be pieces of art. They can be um, parts of the storytelling of our of our history and our people and our culture. They can be showcase for innovation. We can use them to capture data. We can use them to uh, add to the uh, you know to the urban setting of our city. And um, you know, a, a city of bridges is that maybe such a bad idea? I I think that's I think that's certainly one thing is is about being bold and about being visionary and about how we. Um, you know, as planners, as developers, as as city leaders, be bold in those investments. And, you know, again, to go back to things like the Vic Park Master Plan, the Victoria Park Master Plan, Cross River Rail and Brisbane Metro, the real opportunity out of those things is not just how we move people around the city or providing new assets, it's how we leverage those to the, to the best of our abilities so that we create showcase pieces of infrastructure that we really stitch up the networks of how people move around the city that we take on the challenges 
that come with investing in that big infrastructure. Um, did a lot of work, uh, or actually our firm's doing um, work for Cross River Rail Development Authority and we often talk about the first and last mile, which is which is not a new concept, mm. but it's the importance of bringing those pieces of infrastructure uh, into a community but making sure that they, they stitch back into the urban fabric of those communities and that they link to existing networks, whether it's active or public transport, whether it's, you know, the relationship to those existing communities or built forms. So the challenge is often actually how, how you land those pieces of infrastructure within existing um, communities and neighbourhoods and then really realise the opportunity. So, mm. I, so I think the brand for Brisbane is those investments that can be real showcases of our innovation and, you know, bold decision-making. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose that's the key, isn't it? We've got a lot of things at the moment that are, that could really drive the future and the brand of Brisbane mm. going forward and a lot of opportunity there, as we touched on right at the start, but it's not going to take a lot to get it wrong either, is it? And that takes us back to the, you know, the focus on economic recovery because of COVID, looking at the short term rather than the longer term gains. And I suppose that's the danger that we're in, whether that's from a city council or a state perspective. And it's how do we guard ourselves against that? So just kind of touching on that, where do you foresee the impact of COVID-19? I mean, we mentioned the, um, the the event we had at the end of last year, which was 20 big ideas in 2020 for Brisbane, which obviously was the kiss of death for the market with COVID <laughs> coming along. So uh, it'd be interesting to actually dust that off to see, could these be the big 20, you know, 21 big ideas 21, for next year? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe an event we do at the end of next year, actually. <laughs> so um, what do you think the impact of the development and planning of Brisbane and South East Queensland in particular, what do you think the impact of COVID is going to be on that? Do you think it's going to be an impact or is it all relatively mm. short term? Uh, it's hard to know, isn't it? I think there's lots of commentary around, you know, will we see structural changes in the way we work? and move and demand for office space and, and re, you know, impacts on the retail industry. I think we will see it play out both in the short term and in the long term. I think if we just kind of step back and, and reflect on kind of people are generally adverse to change. You know, we find it uncomfortable, tend to, on the whole, kind of push back for change. And COVID didn't allow us a chance to kind of push back and think about it we had to we had to change the way we worked and the way we lived very quickly almost you know almost overnight in some instances and I think what we found out of that is that yeah change is definitely uncomfortable and there's some really you know there, there were some tough things that came out of it but also we saw some opportunities emerge so you know we were all working from home so our our you know our homes our you know where we were living were our workplaces they were our classrooms they were our boardrooms they were our recreation spaces so they became you know they had to be really adaptable and we had to be really adaptable in that environment you know we also found that the investment in things like open space um, and our you know linkages to open space you know we, we saw the flaws in where that wasn't done well but we also really relished the opportunity where where councils and governments had invested in that infrastructure because we, you know, our bikeways and our parks were, were as busy as they've ever been. Mm. And, I, and again, I think we saw the success in, in planning for walkable communities. So suddenly people were in a, a kind of a lockdown and if you're in Melbourne and you couldn't leave your five-kilometre zone, you had to hope that within that five kilometres you had access to all the services that you needed. 
So I think, you know, all the things that planners try to deliver through good planning policy, walkable communities, access to local employment, access to services and open space, you know, the design of our neighbourhoods so that we can connect and know our neighbours, have a sense of safety and community. Mm. I think COVID showed us where those things have been done successfully and maybe where there were some failings or where we could learn. So, uh, So I think it reinforced good planning principles it showed us that those things are important to keep trying to achieve showed us that it's you know it's absolutely important that we continue to invest in in open space in active transport that we that we plug the missing links and the gaps in those networks but it also you know i guess it also raised a whole lot of questions around things like you know re- the retail economy mm. and how would we use office space you know we've been back in our office for since about July, I think. So so it's been a relatively long time compared to, to some businesses. Mm. And, you know, I think we've all relished being back in the office and and, and having, um, you know, having a generous floor space has been great because you comply with all the COVID yep. requirements. But we also know that people are working more flexibly now. Mm. And I think those sorts of structural changes will continue. People always need to be together to collaborate and yeah. you know we're social beings but we're also seeing the benefits of 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 a flexible workplace mm. and i think planning policy needs to reflect those changes so workplaces or rather our where we live are maybe not just strict residential places anymore mm. they have to be kind of multi-purpose yeah yeah i was it was interesting um you know during the lockdown where everybody most people working from home and the stuff that was coming out was, oh, this is the best thing ever. This is, this is going to change how we're all going to work. This is the new normal. I mean, that phrase is still being used today. And it's like nobody knows what the new normal is because it's almost changing on a monthly basis. Mm. But, yeah, if you went back four months ago, nobody thought they would ever go back into the city, go back into the office. And now people are like, God, I'm glad to be back in the office. Um, so it, 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 that change is happening very, very quickly. And, you know, people adapted to working from home and now they're kind of adapting the other way. And it's, And I think, if anything, it's kind of demonstrated that this is going to give a flight to choice rather than a flight mm-hmm. to restriction. And I think you know, where people are saying, do we need to invest in as much public infrastructure and transport um, because people can be working from home? I, I think it's the other way. I think we need to invest more in infrastructure then people have got more choice about when and where they work, which is great news for you as planners. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. Bring, bring on the work. <laughs> Look, just, you know, I think on that point, um, Matt, we've talked about, you know, the investment in infrastructure. I think the other thing is, you know, COVID kind of creates an opportunity to also test some of those initiatives that might have previously been either difficult to sell politically or communities might have been more um, more nervous about. So, you know, we went from streets that were really congested to streets being spaces that were uncontested. You know, there was nobody on the roads. Mm. And they're kind of the opportunities to say, well, actually, how, how might we divert this really valuable asset into other uses? Mm. So whether it's temporary or kind of pop-up initiatives that convert lanes to bikeways, you know, extend our footpaths to create greater pedestrian space, that was the time or even now's the time to actually test that because I think we're still, you know, we're still riding that wave of, you know, where will people spend most of their time and how will they move around and mm. and what's important. So I think COVID also creates some opportunities to test those initiatives that we've seen happen, you know, internationally, mm. um, but we can actually do them in our own city now. 
Yeah, and I suppose, you know, with COVID, uh, I think, you know, prior to COVID, trying to push those kind of things out, you said before, people are, are very obstructive towards change. In fact, everybody, everybody loves change until it affects them, yeah. and then people don't want change. Uh, it's like, yes, I'd like that building, but not on my street. I think while we're in this, still in this state of flux about what the new normal might be moving forward, now's the right time to try and implement these things. Mm. So while people are still on the, the page of, yes, let's try something new, because I think as soon as we morph into a, you know, a version of where we are today or even back to how we were, people are going to become more obstructive to, to, mm. to changing how we do stuff in the city and changing how stuff works. And just looking at the, the cycle lanes, like you said, I mean, COVID did, was probably the best thing that ever happened to cyclists, just in terms of having those protected zones on the roads, yeah. etc. So, um, yeah. so you know, long may that continue. Not that yeah. I'm a cyclist by any stretch, but... <laughs> no, but, but that's right. So, if, but if we also want to change those behaviours, if we actually want to you know, see those that increase in, you know, cyclist activity or, or people walking around their neighbourhoods rather than, drop, you know, jumping into a car. Mm. We actually need to make the changes to the infrastructure to support that changed behaviour because we will just revert back to, to the old sort of practices or it mm. becomes harder and who wants to ride to work on a, you know, when you're competing with three or four lanes of, you know, traffic. Yep. It's, you know, so so I think, yeah, now is the time to actually make the, some of those bold decisions. And they don't have to be permanent, mm. um, big investment decisions. You can do these things in temporary ways and test yeah. them and collect the data and mm. look at the evidence. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's, again, one of the, the things about the city now is that, you know, big data. There's so much discussion about big data, and we can we, we can should actually collect, start using it. We yeah. can collect so much, and we can use it in so many different decisions, mm. planning decisions, and development decisions, and mm. um, you know, you know, measuring things that matter and taking that taking that evidence to actually yeah. inform some of what we do. Yeah, it, it, it's a very interesting point because I remember going back to um, when Brisbane City Council did the Ideas Fiesta back mm. in 2012, yeah. 2013, yeah. something like that. And they closed down Albert Street just as a test to see what it was like pedestrianised. And everyone was like, this is fantastic. We should mm. definitely do this. We should turn mm. a, a, a mini Queen Street Mall with around food and bev. We should definitely, definitely do it. And everyone loved it. And it's been six years, seven years, and no sign of that happening. Everyone still says it's a good idea, but politically, yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think that's the problem with the city is that we're still invested on cars in the city. Mm. And I think we need to, you know... We, rethink that particularly with what we've seen with covid yeah i was reading a great article um recently about so this very very issue in new york so you know where they they, they pedestrianized times square and you know did a test over six months said all right let's collect as much evidence as we can around traffic movement pedestrian safety foot traffic impact on retail you know, a whole lot of measures and a whole lot of data and we'll do it in a way it's temporary. We, you know, we monitor it for six months. If it's an abject failure, we pull everything out, we revert back to business as usual. And if not, then what have we learnt? What will we do about it? Mm. And, you know, it's been a huge success, you know, in, in kind of across all of those measures, you know, in terms of safety, um, you know, the foot traffic and retail, maybe maybe a bit different at the moment, mm, but, yeah. but you know, overall a really great success story. So, you know, it does, it does take champions within government and within the industry to say, well, you know, we're going to have a crack at this, mm. we'll test it out. And then it, and then it relies on that data to actually demonstrate the performance and show the success. So yeah. I think, yeah, now's the time, you know, now's the time for Brisbane to be bold. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
So we talked a couple of things before. We talked about um, you know South Bank. We've talked about uh, overstation integrated developments on Cross River Rail. Mm. There's uh, still talk of an SEQ Olympics that may oh, yes. may happen, and there are other things kind of in the background as well. Um, but what are the kind of future developments that excite you about Brisbane? What are you kind of if you had to pick one development that you think is going to be the game changer? Is it going to be the real? thing that makes Brisbane stand out what do you think that that is Mm, you know it's tricky to pick one it's like your favorite child who's your who's your favorite (laughs) child um yeah I think there's there are there are so many great projects happening at the moment I really like the bridges program but I think you know again it's success and the excitement comes around thinking beyond the bridges as just merely a link in the movement Mm. network you know I think if they can be you know, sculptural pieces, if they can be storytelling pieces in our city, if they can be really, you know, think about how they fit back into the network, you know, I think that's going to be, I think it's really going to change the way we move around the city. But but I think all of these, all of these, you know, investments and projects at the moment, whether it's Victoria Park Master Plan, whether it's Cross River Rail and Metro, some of the things that council's doing around the city centre, the South Bank master plan review Uh, you know I think all of those together will actually you know completely transform the city and it's really cliched but but it is transformative time for us it is um, you know it's a game-changing point in the city's history and you know doing all of those projects really well will make the difference just delivering them will you know we'll look back on a deck you know in a decade or two and go if only, or yeah. you know, maybe we could have done better. And so I think, so I think being bold in that, maybe from a planning perspective, and maybe a slightly controversial perspective, I, I think the other thing is not a project, but tackling a policy issue around social housing. You know, I talked earlier on about the city is still a place where it's relatively affordable to live, but as we grow and mature as a city, we're facing those challenges of homelessness like most big cities and it's becoming more pronounced and Mm. it's across demographics. You know, there's not a stereotypical demographic of of who's homeless in our city or who's who's finding um, housing pressure, you know, rental pressure and um, mortgage repayment pressure. So I think the issue will actually accelerate and I think as, as you know, city governance, as planners, we need to be tackling that issue of, of social housing and it's, it's a hard one, it's a, difficult, mm. it's a difficult issue and we would have solved if it, if it was easy. Yeah. I think there was a recent article in The Guardian, it might have been actually back in September, I think they sort of surveyed... 49 or 50 of you know Australia's top economists as defined by the Guardian and um, <laughs> but they but they asked them what's what's the biggest policy what's the most important policy initiative or intervention that government can make as part of a post covid recovery and number 1 top of that list was social housing mm. so i you know it's not just a, a Brisbane city issue it's a national issue and i think you know governments investing in the programs, the levers, the regulation to actually create a pathway to to delivering social housing is really important. And we actually, I, I think we actually get some tangible outcomes from government investing in that space. It's, it's like the building education revolution back yep. in the GSC time when, you know, we actually have assets. We have, you know, we have valuable assets in our community now as a result of that investment. And I think in the same way, 
addressing social housing and investing in tangible outcomes is a is a positive legacy that mm. governments can can show and can lead through this post-COVID recovery. And is it also about that um, that linkage, that partnership between government and private yeah. sector as well? We've seen a number of examples, particularly around Brisbane, like Tech New mm. Farm, for example, which mm. started off as a private sector and, uh, and, and government initiative. So it can work. And yeah. I think just the way that politics has evolved, they've kind of become very separate. Yeah. And I think, you know, government have got to try and find a way of stepping back to the same table and making mm. sure we're all working together yeah. uh, under the right kind of constraints, obviously. Um, but it's, it's that partnership, which is what's going to drive the city forward. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that's definitely something that needs to be kind of looked at. But, but that kind of comes to the to the last question, which you always like to get, throw a niggly one in there for our guests. Ooh, um, okay. So, um, I'll, I'll steal so, myself. <laughs> so, so, and I think you, you've actually already covered some of this anyway, but it's just to try and condense the, condense the message down is that the theme of this, of this podcast series is, is uh, Future Brisbane. So what would be your hope, your desire? If you could wave a magic wand, if you could come out and just say very, very simply what you what would be the best thing for the future of Brisbane, what you'd want to see, what would that be? Would that be around a project? Would that be around a new approach? Would that just be a case of let's just carpet bomb the whole thing and start again? Uh, uh, that's pretty grim. <laughs> that's pretty grim, particularly if you're a planner. Yeah. Um, but uh, but what would you say to our listeners in terms of the you know what your hope for the future of Brisbane is? Yeah, I think um, I think it's two things: collaboration and bold decision making. But, you know, I think the success, if I reflect on my career, so going back to the start, you know, the, the, the things that I've enjoyed, the projects I've worked on, being part of a consultancy for so long, the most successful projects we've worked on are the ones where we collaborate. You know, we have the right people around the table bringing different perspectives and ideas and skills and expertise and, you know, genuinely sharing that for a better outcome sounds very cliched but mm. but i think a spirit of collaboration in the city so you know the development industry decision makers private sector you know, everyone is everyone is working towards you know clearly defined goals and looking for you know a win-win for everyone mm. so that collaboration is probably the the first thing and again i've touched on it a few times but just bold decision making being prepared to actually try and address the the really sticky tricky issues that come with delivering some of these big projects or programs um, and not being afraid to to take those on yeah and and with bold decision making comes the the prospect of you know ruffling a few feathers here and there mm -hmm. which I think that's what people are afraid of, and yeah. and I think that's the thing that we need to pull back from. Uh, I mean, great sentiments, collaboration, and bold decision making. I think personally, I think it's asking a lot. Yeah, but we've got to try and drive it that way, <laughs> uh, absolutely, right. because otherwise, like, like you say, otherwise, we'll, you know, if we're doing, if we're still doing this podcast in ten years' time. Mm. The last thing we want to be doing is having this conversation about, well, what do you think our brand is and how do you think we can improve it? If we haven't got that sorted in the next couple of years, let alone the next 10, yeah. then we've clearly missed the mark in terms of what Brisbane can be. Yeah. And, you know, look, I'm a planner. We like to, you know, set goals and a vision and then a process to get there. So, mm. you know, maybe it's not a surprise I've said bold decision-making and collaboration, <laughs> you know, decision-making around goals that are clear and um, a process of working together to get there. Yeah, and I think just to sign that off, just to, um, you know, I, it, it, I think we can get there, but it's getting there together, which I think is the, the sentiment of what you're saying there, mm. is that we, we need to go together. Go, you know, if, we, if we want to go, go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, so, yeah, but, I like it. 
Yeah, well, I've got that at the film somewhere. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, most of the sound bites I come up with have usually been borrowed from some kind of film or, or TV series. I uh, know. I'm really. I'm. Uh, I was. I was wondering if I'd be able to um, quote Kerry Doss. I was at the Peer Awards the other week, and um, you know, he was saying the, uh, the the buzzwords for COVID have been pivot, agile, resilience, and you haven't got your microphone on. And, yeah. uh, and, and I think I think you know that's kind of summed up sort of where we're at, but also. The next 12 months probably for yeah. us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for your time, Lisa. Oh, it's been pleasure. It's been great having you on. I think it's been a great discussion. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you have too. And hopefully we'll see you uh, for our next series whenever we decide to get that up and running. <laughs> 21 for 21. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 22 great ideas for 2022 because, yeah, we're already too late for 2021. All right. Thank <laughs> no, you very much. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having us. The Shovel is a podcast for Property Leaders Brisbane, recorded and produced by BBS Communications Group. If you have enjoyed The Shovel, please subscribe and review to help spread the word.